We are talking some basketball here, WindailySports.com. I can't believe we're saying that. NBA. NBA season's coming up. The 19th, I think, is when we get started, and we got plenty to go over. Today, it is all about NBA award season, and that is basically looking at all the player awards for the upcoming year and trying to pick some winners, and we're going to do that. You're not going to get any from me at Jay Jansen 34 as we can follow me. My name is John Jansen. The guy that you can get it from is Ghost. He's back and no hat. The first one of the season, the first NBA stream of the season, no hat. Talk about starting off with a bang. Dude, we are starting off with a huge bang. That is like, this is bigger than anything that we've done at Wind Daily Sports so far. A stream with you with no hat. Man, I... I feel like I was having a good hair day. So beautiful wanted, hair day. Uh, wanted, Amazing. Wanted to keep day. it. So we'll we'll get that rolling. Yeah. Outside of that, I mean, I'm so pumped. I am so NBA's back. Oh I already God. see you tweeting about preseason, oh buddy. Come on, NBA's man. Back. Preseason. I've been firing out the weekly tweets too. I don't know if anyone's been seeing those kind of just hiding behind the wall. I know NFL's back, but I was like, hey, NBA's back in six weeks, five weeks, four weeks. And now we are, you know, eleven days. Away from opening day tip-off. And on top of that, you and I planned this stream out. Well, we did it earlier in this week. We planned this out. And DraftKings was nice enough to give us the opening day slate on the very day that we started the stream. So everything's already aligning. It's going to be Love a great it. year. Really looking forward to it. Yeah. And what do we have? We can go over that real quick. What do you have planned for the upcoming season uh, here at Monday so, Sports? Um, we are back with a ton of content as usual. Um, article forms are there. Uh, you could find myself, Brian, Adam, uh, Stoby, the rest of the guys. Everything's there. Of course, our proprietary projections at windailysports.com. Make sure that you go and check those out. Those are uh, our absolute baby there. So uh, it, it, it's going to be a great season. We're going to have daily live streams as well, Monday to Friday for pre-lock news as always. And everything's going to be great. We're going to keep it rolling. We had a great season last year, both at the sportsbook and uh, in the DFS world. So keeping it going, preseason action. We're talking futures today with player awards. Last year, we had some really good long shots that hit. Um, and of course, in next week's episode of uh, team wins and just overall team previews, we had some absolute bangers last season too with the Phoenix Suns and uh, the Mavericks and the Trailblazers, and of course, your Philadelphia 76ers as well. So everything's looking good, looking to keep it rolling from last season towards this one. Yes, we are. And let's get into some of those player awards. And the first one I just want to bring up, because uh, we'll, we'll do MVP last, obviously, save the best for last. But I don't want to start with defensive player of the year. So let's start with an interesting one, at least. Rookie of the year, Cade Cunningham. Of course, the one we look at, Detroit, he's going to be probably the top guy there in Detroit because they have nobody else. But where else are we looking? I mean, this is a pretty good and solid like draft class where we have guys like Davion Mitchell, I think is a really interesting one. You know, obviously the spot, we don't know if he's going to be such a you know big time player that he's going to be putting up all these numbers, but he's looked great. I know you posted a video or at least reacted to the video already of James Booknight, uh, but also Jalen Suggs is there is good. Evan Mobley's talented as heck. Uh, Scotty Barnes is interesting. There are a lot, and Jalen Green, too, I want to mention. There's so many interesting players here, and there's not a clear cut kind of favorite for this one. So, where are, you, where are you going? Like, where are you headed right away? Are you heading towards the favorites, or is there some value that you're going for? So, just in terms of the way that I approach futures, the first thing is that 
you know, as, as nice as it is to be able to nail a plus 4,000, plus 5,000, plus 10,000 one, Those are great. A, a win is a win, right? But at the same time, we do have to take the approach that is there enough value at the top of the leaderboard to be able to say, okay, am I, you know, laying a plus 250, laying a plus 400 for MVP, for example, um, we'll get to that, who the favorite is there, same as last season to no one's surprise, but just to be able to talk about futures just in general, the way that I approach them, you can also hedge them as well. So especially when we're talking about team total wins last year, my go-to was three teams in particular. I said, take the over in the wins with Dallas, Phoenix, and Portland. And my whole objective of that was that two out of three hit. All yep. of them were at great odds, well over plus money. So at that point, we're talking about getting two out of the three. We're not looking at these individually. We're looking for value. We're looking at spots where we're trying to get a win, but we're also not laying too much. So for that at the top, I mean, it's very hard to talk about Rookie of the Year without talking about Cade Cunningham. Yep. Uh, this guy's game is absolutely electric. Been talking about him. Uh, it's going to translate so well to too. the NBA too, isn't it? It translates so well. And he's walking into a situation now where he's able to be ball dominant right away. Um, likely to be a number one B option to Jeremy Grant out there in Detroit. So uh, not going to say he's a number two, not going to say he's number one over Jeremy Grant either. Jeremy Grant fits in really well with that offense. Yeah. And he's walking into a very situation just much younger than Jeremy Grant, right? So where it's a rebuilding franchise and he's going to be able to go out there and do his thing. And when we're talking about rookie of the year in particular, it's two main things may not sound exactly the most analytical, but it's just the truth for those that really are into the NBA community and what it's all about with the media and these types of awards, it's about statistics and popularity when it comes to rookie of the year. We're talking about a guy like LaMelo Ball who missed significant time last year. And then Anthony Edwards came out, Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton came out and started balling out. But the thing is, is that everyone knows who LaMelo Ball is. And personally, I still think he deserved the rookie of the year. But that yeah. conversation was still to be had where, he missed significant time. Was it as much of a factor compared to MVP when we were talking about Joel Embiid and Steph Curry versus Nikola Jokic? Seemed like whole missing games came up a lot more. Yeah, in rookie of the, the year MVP is such a different than they were rookie of the year. Yeah, rookie of the year is so different when it comes to that. Like because MVP, you're right. Like any small thing you know, people are going to scrutinize, but for rookie of the year, it just didn't matter. Like LaMelo Ball was the best rookie. Even though he didn't play a lot, everybody just kind of knew it and ran with it. Like, yeah, he was the best rookie and he's going to win rookie of the year. And nobody gave an absolute damn about playing time and how much he played. That's exactly it, right? And so like when we're talking about rookie of the year, I like to take some shots, but there's not as much value in this in partic uh, particular category compared to others that we range into the plus 3,000, plus 4,000, plus 5,000. And I even have an MVP candidate that I love at 80 to 1, oh. plus 8,000, depending on which kind of books are we looking at? So, okay. Cade Cunningham right. and Jalen Green, we can talk about them simultaneously. Both are walking into offenses where they're going to be able to handle the ball as much as they want. And we're talking about Jalen Green, who has a chip on his shoulder, keeps saying in every single interview for a young man that didn't even start his NBA career yet, pretty much, is already saying that, hey, I should have been number one in this draft. Cade Cunningham, all the background that you can imagine for a guy that's ready to come in and dominate this league. Jalen Suggs walks into an interesting situation as well in Orlando, but they are surprisingly guard heavy a little bit with Cole Anthony out there. And, and so I'm shying away from Jalen Suggs. I was surprised to see him topped in at number three. 
outside of the top two, we can talk about them all we want. But realistically, the three guys that I have my eye on, one of them being a Toronto Raptor, of course, is Scotty Barnes. So with Scotty Barnes walking into a situation now with Pascal Siakam missing four to six weeks to start the season, he's going to be counted on to play some reliable minutes for Nick Nurse, right? And the way that Nick Nurse coaches, I know, you know, outside of Canada, there's not that many people that, that, that watch Raptors games, but right here, they are the entire nation. So talking Raptors, I can do that for hours on end. And Scotty <laughs> Barnes walks into a situation now where he's able to play the three, he's able to play the four interchangeably with OG Ananobi, who we're going to talk about for another award. And it's a great value spot for Scotty here at plus 1,200. Now, we need to look at log turn. This is a season award. We can't just say, well, someone's missing four weeks. Scotty's going to be able to take that. Realistically, I do expect him to go back to the bench. But the thing with Nick Nurse is that he is so versatile when it comes to this lineup that there are going to be some nights where both Ken Birch and Chris Boucher are coming off the bench. And you see Siakam at the five with Scotty and OG at the three and the four, respectively. So the minutes are going to be there. And even as the first man off the bench, it's very intriguing to me seeing him at plus 1200. I have him personally at number three for the award. And then the two other guys that I'm talking about right now are Davian Mitchell and Alperen Sengun. Love so it. we'll talk about these two guys because I had them ridiculously high coming out of this draft class. And I'm feeling pretty confident with this because last year, the two guys that I spoke about were Devin Vassell and Tyrese Halliburton in this draft saying that they should be top 10 picks. And in the case of Halliburton, I had him going top five. Fell all the way down to 13 at Sacramento. And it's the exact same case here with Davion Mitchell. Paid off every single I, bit of that too. It just didn't really make sense to me seeing Tyrese Halliburton going 13 and he walks into a beautiful situation out there in Sacramento. Watching him in college, I'm a big NCAA hoops guy. I The, the game just translates there so well. And it's the same thing for Davion Mitchell. Like, his defending is already going to be elite in the league. And for that reason alone, he's going to be able to get minutes in Luke Walton's system. Keep in mind that Buddy Heald is more talented offensively. He's already been there, done that, a little bit more established in the league for obvious reasons. But Davian Mitchell can shoot the rock too. Shooting over 40%, coming out of one of the best programs last season. Davian Mitchell is really high up there on my list this season. And to be able to have that three-man backcourt with... Tyrese Halliburton or Davion Mitchell playing the three with Halliburton and Fox in the backcourt or Davion Mitchell and Fox in the backcourt if, if Halley wants to slide to the three. It makes it really interesting in this offense, right? So I think that Davion Mitchell comes off the bench to start the season with Fox, Halley, and Buddy Heald playing the three if he's willing to adjust his game a little bit. We did see that later on with Harrison Barnes at the four and Rashawn Holmes at the five. But don't be surprised midway through the season that whole Buddy Heald versus Luke Walton you know, there's a lot of Eagles going on there. These two do not like there each is. Other. I mean, healed healed is one that I could see traded at some point too. He's a, he, he's one of the best shooters in the league, right? Yeah. So he's a guy that I love talking about same way that I talk about Duncan Robinson a lot too, where he's quietly a top five three-point shooter in this league, season in, season out, every single year, right? So when we're talking about contenders getting towards that trade deadline and you absolutely need one, Buddy Heald might be that guy when, again, Sacramento makes the commitment, very questionable decision, in my opinion, to be able to extend Luke Walton. They've committed to Luke Walton running this team. So with that being said, if Buddy Heald wants out, Buddy Heald wants out, you're looking at a ton of minutes for Damian Mitchell at plus 1,800. And my other guy was Alperen Sungun. I wanted him to go to Sacramento <laughs> because I didn't think Davion Mitchell would slide to nine. I had him going seven to the Warriors. 
Um, I didn't think that they would take more of a, you know, development project player in Jonathan Kaminga. So I, I was thinking more, you know, that Warriors core with the Splash Brothers and Draymond Green, they want to win now towards the later stages of their career. I would think that they would have gone with Davion Mitchell at number seven, but they went with, with the future. They're kind of in that, hey, we could win now with Steph, Clay, and Draymond, but we also have a solid future with James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga, which makes sense. I had Davion going seven, so I really wanted Alper and Sungun going to Sacramento, but he has an absolute gem of a spot in an offense that, man, he, he's going to be able to get minutes to be able to showcase his skills. And this is a guy that can put the ball on the deck. He can face up to the basket. He can play back-to-back. Like, this is a spot for Alper and Sengun where he is just so versatile on the offensive side of the ball. I, I really do like his potential, especially in the later latter of the season where we ended up seeing a late-season charge from uh, from Anthony Edwards. Is it going to be to that point where he's dropping 20 a game? No, absolutely not. But when he ends up getting that those starts in games – 50 plus where we're talking about the last third of the season yeah. opera and sengun can make a late charge for this award yeah it certainly can especially look i think he's going to find his way into that rotation <laughs> i would imagine i would imagine uh he I would make his way so. there right exactly um so rookie of the year i think that was a good breakdown any like real long shots probably not not to like if there's none just say no and not at all but any that that maybe kind of interests you I mean, for me, it's no. Um, you want to talk about Moses Moody in this in, in this Warriors offense, but again, Jordan Poole does exactly what he does and has already been in the league and been there, done that. We're seeing him average 30 in the preseason. We've seen him average 20-plus when Steph was out. So Jordan Poole likely has that very same role to Moody. So for me, a very talented player, Luka but just Garza. not in the right situation. I'm really not a Luka Garza guy, like at all. At all, he's at way all. Too, I don't, he's I don't, way too slow. I can't do it. And James Booknight... I don't think a player out of this draft as talented as him could have landed in a worse spot. Charlotte is just so crowded where I get it. Malik Monk is gone now, gone to LA with LeBron and AD, but there's just minutes are going to be so scarce that, that, that it just, I I don't foresee it happening for James book Knight at plus 2,800. So we're going over some of the player awards, uh, futures for the upcoming NBA season. And let's go to most improved player, Michael Porter Jr. That's an interesting one because I thought he was fine. Uh, Gilligas Alexander, I thought he was really good. I don't know. Most improved player. This is a weird market. And I don't like any of these. Like Tyrese Halliburton, really improved? Uh, where are you going here? Because this is, a, this is a really interesting one to me. Maybe Ben Simmons? Maybe if he gets <laughs> traded? No, probably not. I did, this is a weird market, especially seeing who's at the top right now. That's exactly it, right? And just just for those that you know are, are new to the most improved award, essentially what it is is we're talking about year over year improvements in statistical categories, right? So similarly to uh, similarly to in the finance industry, when we're talking about year over year profits, etc., it's the same thing for these players year over year. How are they improving their game, right? So you're gonna see some studs in this market because Pascal Siakam has won this award. Giannis Antetokounmpo has won this award, right? So it's not foreign for one of the best players in the league to potentially win this award. If he's improving that much where a guy like Giannis instantly became a top five player in the league when the year that he won the award, it's definitely possible, right? So we're not necessarily talking about rookies that are taking that next step in their sophomore year, talking about sophomore classes, taking that next step in their third year, right? So 
it, it really varies and there's no real, you know, I don't want to, I don't even want to say age limit, but there's no real like experience level yeah. that's a minimum or a maximum for this award. Right. So personally, Michael Porter Jr. Being at the top surprises me. This is still an really? offense that features Nikola Jokic. For me, it's just to, to be able to be conserved for this award. I want to be either the number one option on the team or someone that is very heavily involved. And all I've seen from Michael Porter Jr. last season is that when Joker was out for very limited time throughout these games and he would be that guy, it was Brick City. So ha having a handful of games will not get you most improved. I get it. He's a career 40% uh, from behind the arc. People are talking about how he, you know, possibly has a better three-point uh, percentage than Curry throughout his career. First of all, talk about attempts. They're just not there for Michael Porter Jr. And on top of that, being the number two to Joker, when it comes down the stretch for the Nuggets, the ball is not going to be in MPJ's hands, right? So for me, when we're talking about value again, similar to what we were talking about with Rookie of the Year at the top, Michael Porter Jr. is a fade for me. If he ends up winning it, good for him. Fading the hell uh, out just of that. At, at plus 900, I just don't see it. Two of my favorite guys are actually right after that, though, and that's Kevin Porter Jr. and SGA. The reason why I favor Kevin Porter Jr. over SGA in most books actually have these flipped. So very important to shop your odds, right? So most books have Kevin Porter Jr. in that plus 1,400, plus 1,500 range and SGA in that plus 900, plus 1,000 range. Kevin Porter Jr. is in that spot in Houston where they're all, all the touches are up for grabs. Playing alongside Jalen Green, we talked about him for Rookie of the Year because of that. Alperen Sengun, same kind of situation. All, all of these guys are going to flourish as Houston continues their rebuild, right? So I really do like Kevin Porter Jr. at plus 1,000. If I'm favoring anybody at the top of this market, it's Kevin Porter Jr. 100%. And we don't even have to leave to another rotation for another one of my targets, and that's Christian Wood, right? So if Houston does not end up looking elsewhere, where Christian Wood is young enough to be a part of this young core, right? We saw the amount of damage that he's able to do on the offensive end when he came out of Detroit. And even when he was in Detroit, he was able to be that guy, right? So yep. I really do like Christian Wood there. The touches are going to be there. The rebounding was absolutely stellar last season before he got injured. And that's something that I'm really counting on him to not only improve on, but to continue what he was doing last season. Another guy for me is Darius Garland. Cleveland Cavaliers have made it publicly known that this is Darius Garland's team. Right, we're talking about shopping Colin Sexton, perhaps even in a Ben Simmons trade, which to me is absolutely bananas. But again, bananas. It's just this is Darius Garland's team, right? Yeah. So Colin Sexton, everyone knows how much I love Colin Sexton's game. I talk about him in DFS a lot. The pure scorer on a team that plays up pace and no defense is the guy that we want to target in DFS. Nonetheless, this is Darius Garland's team, and I'm really looking forward to him taking a step this year. Whether it's enough to win the award or not, that's yet to be known. But at plus 2,200, I'm much leaning towards taking a guy like Darius Garland versus SGA, who down the stretch can possibly find himself sitting out games because OKC is in tank slash rebuilding mode. They have a plethora of draft picks coming up for the next countless amount of years. We saw that towards the end of the season. Was SGA really injured? Was he not? Was it a longer rehab than he should have had? That, for me, is enough alone to fade him at the top of this market. And two other guys that I really find interesting are a Toronto Raptor in OG Ananobi and a Miami Heat player in Tyler Hero. So OG at plus 2,800. You're going to see as we get into 
um, I don't want to say the better markets, but more of the ones that there are some values to be found. OG Ananobi is one of these guys where I've been talking about OG's game for the past three plus years now. And just to be able to see him develop into one of the best three and D wings in the league, I think this is the year where he puts the league on notice, right? So Kyle Lowry's out of town now in Miami with the next guy that I want to talk about. OG is going to be counted on to not only play good D, but to be able to contribute on offense. He's a slasher that can also shoot the ball and is going to have ample opportunity, especially in Nick Nurse's uh, in, in Nick Nurse's offense. Very similar to what we see in New York with Coach Thibodeau. He will run his starters into the ground before doing <laughs> anything else. We're talking about 36 plus minutes for Toronto starting five with a 20 to 25 minute performance from likely Chris Boucher coming off the bench, Malachi Flynn, et cetera. Toronto has a really deep bench, but Nick Nurse will never change his ways of running his starters into the ground. So no. talking about opportunity, talking about statistics and year over year improvement doesn't necessarily have to be in terms of efficiency. Talking about a scoring jump, talking about a rebounding jump for OG Ananobi, the opportunity is endless there. And the other guy that I really like, seeing him at plus 6,000 on DraftKings I can't right believe now you're doing this. Is extremely I can't believe you're doing this. Some books have him as high as plus 2,000, right? So we're talking about shopping your odds right here. Tyler Hero at plus 6,000. People are going to tell me, they're going to say Ghost, his sophomore season was terrible ghost his sophomore season was terrible i get it and i i knew you were gonna say that because that's what everybody <laughs> would say but the truth is it really wasn't all that bad the pressure coming out of the bubble for this kid was absolutely ridiculous he he's 21 years old 20 years old last season sophomore season in the league he's one year deeper into his career regular schedule Coming into a locker room with so many experienced leaders in Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo is a guy that I love for another award. And he's really a vocal guy in the locker room and being able to lead that team. PJ Tucker, my fan on the court. Absolutely not. Everybody knows that. Everyone knows how I feel about PJ Tucker on the court. But off the court, great guy to have in the locker room. Great guy to have in the community, right? So it's another voice for Tyler Hero to learn from the experienced guys out here. I am really expecting Tyler Hero to take his numbers to the next level. No more Goran Dragic. Seeing Duncan Robinson in that starting lineup going bombs away from behind the arc with Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler distributing him the ball. Tyler Hero is going to be that main guard off the bench now with Goran Dragic out in Toronto as part of that sign and trade with Kyle Lowry. And keep in mind that Victor Oladipo, not only has he been injured throughout the past two years of his career, which is simply tragic because of how talented he is, he is so good when he's on the court, but he just can't find a way to be on there. He's already expected to be out until late November, early December, right? So this is ample opportunity for Tyler Hero to get into a groove early on. And you know the way that Miami plays this rotation is that if Duncan Robinson's shot is not dropping, they will put Tyler Hero in late stages of the game. And you will see his minutes creep up into the 30 range where he's playing alongside Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. All three of them can share the rock. All three of them can carry it. That's exactly the point of that Miami Heat offense where they have so many ball handlers to be able to change their looks on offense and get easy looks to the basket. So seeing Tyler Hero there at plus 6,000 to me is just too much value to pass up on. That would be my sprinkle bet in terms of most improved player of the year. All right. Let's go to the nether market here. Sixth man of the year. How do you approach this one? So sixth man of the year is really about 
opportunity off the bench. And again, this is another category that is very statistics heavy when we're talking about a guy that not necessarily comes off sixth man, uh, uh, sixth man off the bench where, you know, you're, you're able to see him contribute defensively. You're able to see him um, contribute in late stages of the game. Like I'm really thinking about a guy like Andre Iguodala, for example, a couple of years back with the Warriors. That is not someone that as great of an impact as he had on the overall stages of the game. That that that's not what wins sixth man of the year. We're talking about Jordan Clarkson putting up twenty plus coming off the bench, right? So similarly to rookie of the year, it's very statistics heavy, and it, it's all about that kind of spot where they have a role in the offense where. They don't necessarily have to be ball dominant, but that they're able to play 20 plus minutes where the minutes alone and the sample size is great enough for people to swing their votes in that guy's favor. But it's also about how he contributes during those minutes and really about, hey, if he was a starter, would we be talking about one of the best players in the league to that point in the utmost scenarios of ceilings, right? So seeing Jordan Clarkson there at plus 500, Great spot. Again, I love Jordan Clarkson last season. That was that was one that hit for us last year. Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, in a big way. Year. Ran away with it too. Spot, spot in Utah where it was the same thing. We talked about how Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell are going to be able to carry that backcourt with Jordan Clarkson. Joe Ingles coming in at the three. Bogdan playing at the four. Interchanging with Royce O'Neal. The one constant that they had there was Jordan Clarkson. First man always off the bench. And when he has the rock in his hands, He's doing one thing and one thing only, and that's driving to the hoop or taking mid-range shots, right? This guy has no other objective when he takes his feet on the floor other than to score. Like, he's out there 20-plus minutes to be able to put the ball in the hoop. So I really like Jordan Clarkson last year, way better value last year, and he absolutely ran away with the award, in my opinion, like you were saying. But that being said, at plus 500, is the value really tough there? The, yeah, It's tough. It's tough for me to lay that much of a favorite when – we're not seeing Kevin Herter or Joe Ingles or Patty Mills, the, the second, third, fourth ranked guys here at plus 600, plus 700. Really sets the tone for the market when we're seeing plus 500. And yeah. the next player is more than double the odds of the favorite, right? So for me, Jordan Clarkson is going to be a pass. Similarly to Michael Porter Jr., if he wins the award, great. It would not surprise me in the least, but the value is simply not there for me. Not at all, especially in this one. Yeah. Well, that's it, right? Like we're, we're talking about getting some value and we're talking about possibly hedging these to be able to get a guaranteed win like what we do on the team side. Jordan Clarkson for me at plus 500, just way too much to lay there. Um, one, one guy that I'm really looking at is Derek Rose at plus 1800. We know the relationship with Tom Thibodeau is there. We know that he's going to be able to contribute on offense. Alfred Payton is now out of town. Derek Rose now going into his second year with the New York Knicks. I really do like D Rose in this spot. We have to keep our fingers crossed, not only for betting, not only for this market, not only for anything else. We need to keep our fingers crossed for a healthy Derek Rose, just for what it gives to the NBA community. Everybody that's an NBA fan wants to see Derek Rose healthy yeah. and playing some crazy minutes and going out there and balling out, right? So Derek Rose know, at I plus eighteen hundred. Everybody needs everybody wants to see that. Everybody needs to see that. So Derek Rose at plus eighteen hundred. Certainly worth it. That when we're talking about the level of talent and the scoring and the passing and anything else compared to anyone that's on the top of this list, Derek Rose is there. Tyler Hero. Uh, yeah, are we double dipping? I just want to bring that up. Spot. Yeah, are we double we're dipping? Double dipping the chip. Okay. With Tyler okay. Hero as dip a six the chip. Man of the year. 
not going to go over it all again, but the main reason, guys, he, yeah. he is going to be that sixth man off the bench. He's going to be able to have the ball in his hands, right? So that's what we need. We need the minutes. We need the scoring. We need the opportunity. And my two long shots for this award, I'll give them both together. Terrence Mann and Chris Boucher. So Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann, very quickly, everybody saw what he can do, dropping 40-plus in that game, right? So being able to be cold-blooded like that in his rookie season, Terrence Mann really has the juices to be able to keep the Clippers afloat while Kawhi Leonard is possibly out for the year. We're hearing the rehab is going well, then we're hearing the rehab is not going well, right? So we're talking about a March to April return for Kawhi Leonard. Man, oh man, is there some opportunity? For well Terrence done there. Man, oh man, and what then, a headline. And then... My last one, another Toronto Raptor. You obviously know I can't go in a category without mentioning a Toronto Raptor. Seeing Chris Boucher at plus 3,000 simply doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, he should be no no lower than 20 to 1 for this award. This is a guy that coming off the bench, he actually thrives better in this offense. And he's able to absolutely dominate you know, smaller lineups in the East. So at plus 3,000, Chris Boucher is a guy that is just way too talented for that range of the market i equally like both him and terrence Mann at 30 to 1 and then real quick defensive player of the year um this, this one's weird one. i really yeah I really that's why i want to like be i want to be quick with this one um i really don't Bears. like it um similarly to what i preach in season long leagues blocks and steals are just so unpredictable yeah. um where to me it's not really an award that i dabble in all too much uh the guys that i did write down Outside of the ones at the top, the top four are respectfully the top four for a reason. I'd even throw Giannis in there over yeah. Miles Turner. Honorable mention to Joel Embiid, um, especially with Ben Simmons likely on his way out of town. Um, if Bam Adebayo was a little bit more valuable in this market where he was creeping into the plus 2,000 range, I would I would dip in. But at plus 14, I don't really see it. Uh, one guy that I would take a shot on for this award would be Mitchell Robinson. If he's able to stay healthy and average 30-plus minutes in, in, in Tom Thibodeau's off, uh, offense and defense, he's a guy that's very posterizing on the defensive end. So if, if I'm dipping into this category, it's for the long shots. I'm going Mitchell Robinson and Bam Adebayo. If you could find better odds creeping into that 2,000 range at 20-1, to 1, that's another guy that I'd be looking at. All right, let's go to the big one here, MVP. Yes. Luka Doncic, the favorite. That's Kevin gross. Durant, six, yeah, I don't like that. Uh, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, yeah. obviously a bunch of guys that we expect, and the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic. Obviously, it's really tough to do it again, but he is 15-1. to 1. Uh, This is an interesting market, so what do we, what do we got with this one? So I'll, I'll say the same thing that I said about Luca last season. Um, that's a hard pass for me. Yep. <laughs> um, as talented as he is, as you know, some people, you, you can, you can have a conversation with someone in, in the community where they will tell you that Luca's the best player in the league and they can make a case for it. Right. You may not agree, um, but you, you can't deny the fact that you can make a case for it. Just personally laying plus three eighty for an MVP just doesn't make sense. And one thing that I do want to point out with this award in particular is that your team's success has just as much importance to yep. your individual success as we saw last season where I was simply heartbroken with all of my Steph Curry futures. And I mean all of them because I don't want to say I double dipped or I triple dipped. I, it was just, the odds just kept going up and it was so worth it uh, to grab Steph Curry mid-season and later in the season, et cetera, for MVP where 
the one and only reason where Steph Curry did not win MVP is because they were in the playing round. It's that simple. And I'm not going to get into how I think Steph Curry was the MVP over Nikola Jokic because we'll be here for another two and a half hours. But <laughs> that to me is a guy that at plus 900, and you'll find some books where him and Embiid are kind of interchangeable, where they're in that plus seven to, uh, you know, I'll go as high as 10 to one odds. Those are the two guys that I'm really looking at in this, you know, 10 to one and lower category, Steph Curry and Joel Embiid. Um, expect a healthy Warriors team to contend for a top three seed in the West this year. And Joel Embiid with no Ben Simmons. The one thing that worries me about his spot, not not, not for his season-long outlook, not for DFS purposes, not for anything like that, just more so for an award that counts all 82 yeah. games. How many back-to-back scenarios are we talking about Joel Embiid sitting out this year because of the fact that Ben Simmons is likely out of town, right? So yeah, that for me kind of scares me when we're talking about Joel Embiid maybe, you know, topping off at 65 games in this case. It, it, it might, you know... It, it might work against him in this category. Um, those are the two guys that I'm looking at at plus 1,000 and higher. My favorite bet for this entire um, category is James Harden at plus 2,000. Scary Ooh. hours out there in Brooklyn. We're talking about a guy that is now saying in the media that, you know, oh, I haven't experienced free agency and et cetera. And now the whole Kyrie situation and can KD stay healthy and, if Brooklyn doesn't win a title, it, it it's another version of scary hours in Brooklyn, right? So I'm expecting James Harden to go absolutely bonkers this year alongside <laughs> KD. And, you know, we saw what he did when he came over to Brooklyn. And we're talking about arguably the greatest offense in terms of efficiency, in terms of what it looks like to the public and analytically of all time. Right, so now we get a full 82 games of James Harden in this offense with an offseason behind him. It's scary hours out there in Brooklyn, and that offense is going to be absolutely lethal. So seeing James Harden there at 20 to 1 just doesn't make sense to me. He is my favorite for the award. That's the one that I have the most shares of. And then we're talking about two guys now. We're getting into our long shots. You already knew where I was going with this one. You already have it highlighted. And we didn't even talk about it nope. before the show. I knew, I knew this one but right away. I am so happy that you highlighted it. And it's the PG-13 yep. revenge tour, right? So seeing the media all over this guy throughout his entire career, from when he was in Indiana, from when he was in OKC, now when he's in LA, the media just is so reluctant to get off Paul George's back. And what would be better than Paul George winning MVP? Especially that he's... The playoffs it, you already mentioned earlier, no Kawhi. No Kawhi. Yeah, exactly. No Kawhi. It's, it's just him. And we saw it during the playoffs. Like, he, he can carry that team. We saw it. And if there's ever a guy that you can say, well, he's more of a regular season guy than a playoff guy, number one, I don't believe that when it comes to Paul George. But, even though a lot of people do say it. But, people but in that case, yeah. if ever there is a player that's like that, and you're kind of worried. Well, it doesn't matter in this award. We're talking about a, a guy that statistically dominates the regular season, season in, season out, right? So I absolutely love Paul George there with no Kawhi. Again, likely to return. If at all this season, it's going to be late March and April where the award's pretty much already wrapped up. Yeah. As much as I want to bet Sabonis. No, it's not that. 6, I, I, I can't do it. Um, but there is one where I was talking about uh, to you just literally 30 seconds before we got on that 80 to one. But here he's 90 to one. And that's Carl Anthony Towns. Ah, nice. Now, the one and only reason why I don't think he'll 
win MVP is uh, because he still plays for Minnesota. And they're more likely to contend for a number one overall pick than they are for a playoff spot in the playing round. Yeah. That being said, seeing Carl Anthony Towns at 90 to one for somebody that is, you know, we're talking about your pizza money. We're talking about the couch change, whatever other term that we love using here at wind daily sports. Carl Anthony Towns is my guy. Um, seeing him there at 90 to one just doesn't make sense. There is nobody that is as talented as Carl Anthony Towns. When we're talking about, you know, nearly a hundred to one odds where if you bet you know a tenth of a unit it would pay off in 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 ways that are simply inexplicable right so um carl anthony towns would be my sprinkle bet where you're simply betting it rooting for carl anthony towns after everything that he's been through through this year right and just seeing the shape that he's in uh seeing him go off in preseason already dominating training camps this is a season where i'm rooting personally for carl anthony towns but also just being a part of the NBA community. I really do love Carl Anthony Towns in this spot. It's another year where he's fed up. He wants to win and he's going to go out there and do everything that he can. Are they in a great spot as a franchise? Absolutely not. They're likely to contend more for a first overall pick than they are for a spot in the playing round. But if there's a chance where he's able to lead his team to the playing round and we're talking about a very wild card-esque scenario where it's win and you're in for the Minnesota Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Towns can get it done. And if he's able to do that, it's it, it, it's a possible MVP season for Cat. I can't believe you're saying that. But hey, it could be. The thing is, the talent's certainly there. He's an MVP talent. So. The talent is there. And when we're talking about getting value, right? Are we expecting this one, this one to win? Absolutely not. Right? So it, it's not happening. It's, you know, you, you end up making this bet for a tenth of a unit for your couch change, for your pizza money. And you're saying this is not I love, happening. I love good but, pizza money. Yeah. But when we're talking about a guy that's at 90 to one, realistically, you look at the names that are around him, would you even consider their names for MVP? Right. But for a player that's as talented as Carl Anthony Towns, who many people have lined up, you know, right alongside the Joel Embiid's and the Nikola Jokic's as the best centers in the NBA, it, it, it's simply too great of odds to be able to be there. Um, but that being said, if it, it's very hard for a team to win MVP, uh, for a player to win MVP, excuse me, if his team does not make the playoffs, and that's likely not the case for Minnesota. It's a team that I'm likely going to take the under on their wins. But again, we're talking about hedging futures. If the under wins doesn't hit, it's likely because they're in the playoffs and they had a great season. And that means Carl Anthony and that, is in the yeah. conversation for MVP. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, that was a great breakdown of the futures for player awards. And we're going to be doing futures for teams coming up very soon here at windailysports.com. My name is John Jansen. Follow me at jjansen34. Follow my guest, not guest, he was the star of the show, ghost <laughs> at DFS underscore ghost. We'll be back with more here at windailysports.com.